0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. It
1: is a joy to be with you on this wonderful Uh, Tuesday after Thanksgiving, I hope that you had a warm and beautiful time with family, with friends, with nourishment, and it is always a pleasure to be here with you and to bring deep, rich conversations to you, and this week is especially beautiful because I think it will not only share information that you may desire to know about questions that have crossed your mind regarding the afterlife and what happens after we move on, But I think it's a book that's really quite impactful for how you can live your life now to prepare for that time. So there's no better source of information on death and the afterlife than someone who has died and lived in spirit. Channeling his late son, Jordan, psychologist Matthew McKay offers a post-death guide for the living, revealing in vivid detail what to expect when we die and how to prepare for the wonders of the afterlife. Providing profound relief from the fear of death, as well as exercises to prepare you for navigating and communicating in spirit, Jordan's message reveals how love is the bonding element that holds all of consciousness and the afterlife together. Matthew also documents the unbreakable bond between the living and the dead and teaches the skill of channeling, allowing you to connect to loved ones who have passed. Dr. Matthew McKay is a clinical psychologist, professor of psychology at the Wright Institute, co-founder of Haight-Ashbury Psychological Services, founder of the Berkeley CBT Clinic, and co-founder of the Bay Area Trauma Recovery Clinic which serves low-income clients. He's authored and co-authored more than 40 books, including the Relaxation and Stress Reduction Workbook and Seeking Jordan. Today we are discussing the luminous landscape of the afterlife, which encompasses Jordan's message to the living on what to expect after death. Welcome, Matthew, to 1111 Talk Radio. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's
2: great to be with you, Simran.
1: This is a really beautiful book. It's... Um, it's, it's a nice, comfortable read. It, it, it reaches the heart in places where I found that it supports the conversation around the afterlife, but even more so, it provides a roadmap for perhaps how to live this life, how to be more present in our current experience, how to engage the capacities that we require as human beings in regard to love that could actually support our journey in the afterlife as well as truly making meaningful the time that we have here on earth talk about what you've experienced both in the channeling of this work and how readers have received it in terms of shifting their own present life experience
2: i think one of the things that jordan has given me uh, that was most important is a sense of uh, why we come here. Uh, what, is, what is the reason we come to this place where there is so much struggle and often uh, so much pain? And what he says is that we incarnate here in order to learn things about love that we cannot learn in the afterlife. In the afterlife, there is no pain. Love is effortless on some level. And uh, it, love is all around. love, love is literally the connective tissue uh, of all consciousness uh, in the afterlife and 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 here as well. but we but here, love is intentional. We have to learn how to love in the face of pain. and And so we learn a lot about love in a physical environment that we cannot know, we cannot even begin to understand. In a in a world or an environment and spirit world, um, where love is entirely, uh, it, it's just it's our environment. It, it's where we live. It's it's what it's what connects us. So here we are learning about love in a way we could not in the spirit world.
1: Now, there's probably no greater pain than a parent losing a child, and this book is as much about the messages of the afterlife that Jordan had come through you, but it's also a profound example of channeling and an introduction and explanation of how to channel. When you were uh, moving through this material coming in, how did you detach enough to stay in the place of love for him, but not so much the longing that you blocked the channeling?
2: I think channeling for me has been a way of, of staying connected to Jordan. It, it's it's primarily a joyous experience. I get to have a conversation with my son. Um, after Jordan died in the first year or so, I was looking almost desperately for a way to connect to him and I you know, found different methods. But when I when I learned um, from the late Ralph Metzner how to channel uh, about a year after Jordan died, i I realized that I could actually have conversations. I could ask questions, I could get answers. Uh, I could have um, I, I, I could find out about what his life is like uh, in the spirit world uh, and and I could ask almost virtually any question, and he could answer it. And so it actually became an opportunity um, to connect to him with love and, and for him to teach me in the ways that, you know, it, you know it sort of, you know, our life together on earth was one in which I was teaching him. I was his dad. Uh, but now our roles were reversed, and he was teaching me. So it, it really has been a, a beautiful experience, and it makes me feel connected rather than sad.
1: Well, it also brings about that thought that we really do live in an infinite experience and one that is ever connected. Fear of death is is the greatest fear for most people on earth. It is the one that they struggle with. It is the one that they question. There's so many ideas when it comes to different religions as to what takes place after death. There's concepts of you know heaven, hell, um, you know challenges, castles in the sky. There's all kinds of ideas. Talk a little bit about uh, the fear of death and, and what you would say to those that struggle with, with ideas that they may have been conditioned into believing or religiously perceive as what the afterlife looks like.
2: I think one of the things that uh, Jordan has been very, very clear about uh, in, in his conversations with me uh, is that our kind of our Judeo Christian idea about uh, death is, is probably not quite right. Um, <clears throat> we have this idea that we come to uh, this planet to uh, prove ourselves worthy uh, of, of being in heaven, of, of being with God. Uh, and uh, it's a kind of a pass fail system you, you, you make it or you don't. Uh, and and um, in fact, that's not. What death is about—it's not what life is about. Uh, we come here to learn, and we come here many times, not just once. Uh, we incarnate hundreds of times uh, and live hundreds of lives, learning lessons specific to each life. Uh, and and we're not uh, judged at the at, a, at the point of death as worthy or unworthy of being with God. <clears throat> we simply are admitted into the afterlife. Uh, into the spirit world, and we have uh, an opportunity now to learn there. So there's no judgment, there's no pass-fail, there's no hell. Um, There's just learning here in this planet, in this physical uh, experience, and then learning in the afterlife. There's a whole different set of lessons that go on up there.
1: I think that was one of the things that I found interesting in reading the book was uh, the the depth and breadth of learning that continues after we leave here and all of the different ways that we are able to, to travel, to, to have tourism, to uh, explore our creativity. So there, there really is this sense of continuing to expand into consciousness, to continue to expand into purpose and expression beyond this physical plane it's not like we die and everything just ends
2: that's right and there is so much learning that occurs in the afterlife for example we we have access to the entire scope of human history uh, through the akashic record and so uh, souls in spirit uh, can actually review everything that's happened uh, and at at the the level of minute detail in terms of all of all of human choices, uh, everything that we've we've done individually and collectively, um, and so you know, and we learn a lot about the laws of karma, uh, the laws of change. We we learn how things change in a physical environment. Uh, how, how do we how do we evolve uh, as humans in a physical environment? Uh, what what allows us to move through history and to continue to grow and and become? Um, and then there's, there's tourism. You mentioned we, we, can, we can actually see the history of virtually every planet in which souls incarnate. Um, we, we do have the capacity to, to go to some of these planets, the ones that where souls currently incarnate. We have the capacity to, to travel there, to, to see what's happening. Um, we also actually, it's very interesting, we can learn by, by changing history. For example, we can look at alternate timelines. Uh, like It's like opening a book and saying, okay, well, if, if I had done X instead of Y, if I had chosen to, to be with this person rather than that person uh, as partner, um, if I had gone in this direction versus that direction, what would have happened? And we can actually I- I- examine the, the entire set of consequences of a particular choice and see it all animated just like you'd open a chapter in a book and read it, uh, but then when we close that chapter, uh, that that becomes null. It's 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 simply potential, but it, um, and we can examine it. So it's, there's there's an incredible learning that takes place by by looking at alternative choices and what would have happened if we had done something different, or if others had made alternative choices, what would have happened if they had done something different. Uh, So, it's not exactly creating alternate universes, uh, but it's potential experiences that we can study and learn from. So, there's a lot of learning that goes on there. We also, by the way, in the afterlife, are learning how to create things. Uh, Souls really begin to learn how to create, you know, small objects and, you know, out of energy, uh, and then can go on to create larger and larger uh, objects and and lastly, actually, um, there's a lot about the development of spiritual careers. We have spiritual careers, not not just careers here on Earth. Uh, there are careers of, of healers, of, of guides, of teachers who help with soul development, um, and of of creators, uh, souls that really, literally create uh, planets and, and help, to, help to create new universes. It is, it is extraordinary, the things that we can do in spirit. So there's a lot of learning that goes on on the other side.
1: And, you know, that creates such a, a different landscape to look forward to when it comes to death and dying. It makes it exciting. It makes it seem like another adventure that we're going to embark upon, upon completing... Uh, this experience as, as a human being, um, which I think is really helpful because Jordan says that the fear of death impacts a soul in a couple of different ways if we hang on to that fear of death. Can you go into uh, a little more about how we are impacted if we hold on to that fear of death?
2: Well, souls that, that pass over to the other side who are gripped by fear, in fact, who are gripped by any strong emotion, um, anger, uh, envy, um, uh, certainly fear, or, or, or profound sense of grief. So it's a soul that goes to the landing place, uh, and is really struggling with residual emotions and pain from a life just lived. Um, including the fear of death, uh, <clears throat> isn't ready to actually enter the spirit world. So, so we, we end up going to uh, a healing center where where guides help to remodel soul energy, you know, to, to help uh, uh, change the energy level that is being affected by these intense emotions. So um, uh, the fear of death really actually, if it persists, after, for a while uh, delays our entrance into the spirit world. Uh, and there, ha- there has to be a certain amount of healing done. The other thing that happens with the fear of death is that it, it makes us deaf uh, to communications that are occurring uh, in the landing place. Um, because all communications in the spirit world c- t- take place through the medium of love. Uh, it's, in the same way that uh, when we talk on Earth, we create uh, vibrational patterns in in air molecules, uh, and 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 the the air really is the medium that carries carries sound, carries our voice. Love is the medium that carries all communication uh, in the spirit world. And if you arrive in the spirit world uh, unprepared to hear love, instead you're full of fear or anger or something else, um, it's very hard for guides to communicate to you. Uh, and so you're, you're sort of uh, what George says is uh, DOA, deaf on arrival. You just are not able to hear what's going on and to get the support and, and information uh, that guys are trying to convey to us. So, so the fear of death really m- m- makes it quite problematic during the transitional process. And, uh, and we have to sort of resolve that in order to hear the love that's being directed
1: to us. Through the luminous landscape of the afterlife, we are creating a new book of the dead. Images of hells, devils, and malicious spirits don't represent any spiritual reality. They are merely human projections, and Jordan seeks to explain these visions and correct such misperceptions in the the book that we're talking about, The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife. Jordan channeled this book to offer four things every soul needs, to know why we're here, to know what to expect at death and transition. To know how to navigate without a body, and to know how our work in the spirit world proceeds. You can think about uh, the spirit world as a gigantic brain, with each cell, a soul, located in a particular place and performing a particular function. This brain contains all of consciousness, all of thought, all that has been learned, all creativity, and all love. This brain, the spirit world, is collective consciousness. All that is. This is from the book The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife Jordan's Message to the Living on What to Expect After Death. It is by Dr. Matthew McKay, who is also the author of Seeking Jordan, the Relaxation and Stress Reduction Workbook, and 40, 38 other books that you can find out about. Uh, You can find out more at SeekingJordan.com. That's SeekingJordan.com. The link is in the bio description of the author uh, on the show page. So definitely check that out and see everything that they have to offer there. We'll be right back after these messages to speak more with Matthew McKay and hear more of Jordan's message.
3: Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com
0: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimran.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Before we get back to Matthew McKay and the luminous landscape of the afterlife, I want you to take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial. I have loved my QB, and I actually got another one for my parents so that they could enjoy it too. So I want to urge you to get healthier and have greater well-being by turning your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB, that's C-U-B-I-I, and you can go to QB.com slash 11 to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's QB.com slash the word 11. Get that 30-day risk-free trial. Think about how many hours you spend sitting at your desk or on the couch watching TV. What if you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories and get fit? That's exactly what I'm doing because I spend a lot of time behind the computer, on my radio show, creating 1111 magazine. So this is a way that I can keep my body moving, peddling my feet and getting my workout while I'm still sitting at my computer. QB is whisper quiet. It's super easy on your joints, and a recent clinical study confirms that it helps burn eighty four percent more energy than sitting alone. We all say I'd like to work out more if I only had more time, right? Well, QB makes it easy to burn calories and to stay active anytime and virtually anywhere. You can set it up in front of the couch and even burn some calories while you're watching TV. QB is also a perfect solution for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs something to improve circulation and keep active. So if you have a parent or a loved one who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB might be that perfect gift for this holiday season. I love my QB, and I know you will too. Again, get that 30-day risk-free home trial by going to qb.com. Slash the word eleven. In the afterlife, we learn by hearing and absorbing ideas, by observing something new, and by doing things we've never done before. The lessons of the afterlife lift us past the karmic struggles of our most immediate incarnation. How do we come to understand the choices we've made, the hurt we've inflicted, the losses we've endured, and the blows that staggered us? In the afterlife, we have time to make sense of every moment of the life just lived. We can watch every word we spoke, every gesture we made, and even intentions and see the effect of them. Did we respond with love or were we focused on our own desires and our own pain? This is from the book, The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife, Jordan's Message to the Living on What to Expect After Death by Matthew McKay. You can go to SeekingJordan.com to find out more. Matthew, one of the things I found really interesting was that time also exists in the afterlife. That one was really curious to me when I started to read it, but time still occurs even there. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, even though in the afterlife we can observe the entire Earth history uh, from the afterlife, so so we can, we can we can see time from beginning to end uh, on Earth uh, and observe it from the from the afterlife there is still a form of time that exists there. And, and time in the afterlife is measured in terms of uh, what we learn. There was a time when we didn't know something, and then there's a time after where we did know something. Uh, so time is actually measured in change of, of the level of awareness and wisdom and knowledge that souls gather. And, and so, um, so we are continuing to learn uh, in fact, individual souls are, are little learning machines, basically. Uh, uh, all there is, or collective consciousness, breaks up into these small units which then uh, have opportunities to learn. And um, and so time in the afterlife is, you know, before I knew something and after I knew something. Uh, it's all it's entirely a measurement of uh acquired wisdom.
1: Well, and I would think that being able to see that full expanse of time and also tap into the moments of awareness or even the compassion that we're able to see through the relationships that we had, that it creates more of a sense of oneness, more of a a truly integrated place of that collective, that merging with all. Can you talk a little bit more about how we move from that individualized human to the individualized soul to then really becoming merged with the all?
2: So our job is sort of like these. Uh, we, we, we leave the hive from the afterlife. We go out into our incarnations, into, into physical worlds, and and we learn there. When you interact with that physical environment, we interact with each other in those, in those physical environments and face, you know, great struggles. And everything we learn, we bring it back to the hive. It was just like returning nectar or honey to the hives. And so we're, we're bringing back knowledge and wisdom and, and, and essentially uploading it to all, to all, uh, to collective consciousness. And collective consciousness is learning through all of our experiences. So, so, we're learning and bringing what we what we know and what we've gathered and what we've uh, wisdom we've acquired uh, to all. And then uh, we have the opportunity for the learning to go the other way. Uh, in one of the things that we do in the afterlife is we ha- we go through periods of merging with with all that that is, or collective consciousness or God, whatever we want to call it. Um, and souls, uh, will merge and and get the, and themselves experience incredible downloads of knowledge and experience and wisdom, um, and and it's kind of like it's kind of like a lot of electricity going through a very thin wire. We can only do it for a little while, uh, and uh, and inexperienced souls, uh, relatively young souls. Uh, Get overwhelmed very quickly by this intense download of knowledge when they when they connect to and merge with all um, more experienced souls uh, can do it for longer periods of time and also have a kind of a focused inquiry it's almost like plugging into this vast library and 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 having some sense of the card de- decks and, and know, knowing where to look and, and so more experienced souls can actually stay uh, merged for longer periods and can actually look for specific knowledge in the in the course of that merging experience so it's really it's, it's a beautiful experience it's an intense experience and it's one of the ways that, you know we're we're bringing knowledge to all and all in turn uh, can bring knowledge to us through this merging experience
1: it really is a beautiful kind of symbiosis that's taking place uh, it seems that's, that's going on there. And another part that I found fascinating was the life review, particularly in relationships and the way in which we're able to learn some of the subtleties, some of the real deep compassions, because from that perspective, it, it, although we're looking at what we did, we're given an opportunity to feel what the other person felt. Yeah,
2: that's right. And the life review is something that usually takes place almost immediately after we leave the landing place and move into the spirit world proper. Um, uh, that it's usually the next stop. And in that life review, uh, we go into kind of a, a, a state of reverie and we're helped and assisted by guides uh, who help us review every... Basically, every moment of our life and every choice that we made, and and as you said, the review is not just from our own perspective. Uh, you know, looking at looking at everything you know through our own uh, sense or understanding of things, we we are simultaneously aware of how every choice affected everyone around us. Um, we, we can feel their reactions. We we can experience. Uh, the impact of everything we've said or did uh, on all of those around us, not only in that moment, but we can feel the impact over time. For example, a, a, let's say a father in a, in a moment of anger slaps his son. Well, he, in the life review, he would certainly experience that as as he experienced his anger. He would experience, as his son experienced, uh, fear and hurt and shame and, um, but also he would be aware of the impact of that slap over time on his son's mm. sense of self, uh, his son, his, the way his son began to see and understand the world, uh, it, perhaps uh, emerging fear or uh, distrust of others. All of that he would be aware of as well. So it's, it's, it's seeing every experience, every choice we make through our own eyes, through another person's experience, all of the people around us, and over time it's a very profound powerful experience it takes a while uh and and it's arduous in fact there are some souls who have you know created such pain uh, for others in in their life um uh that, that the thought of going through the life review is terrifying, and they and they refuse to do it, and so they have to sort of live in in, a, in an anti room to the spirit world. They really can't get into the spirit world because they're not willing to actually look at the experiences of their life. So it's not like they're they're going to hell or purgatory, but they really can't get in unless they go through this process of looking at their lives. And some souls just uh, are too afraid of that.
1: Well, as I read through the book, I think that was one of the more powerful points that arose within me was if, if individuals read this, they would gain all of that knowledge about the afterlife, but how profoundly they could shift even their current experience by taking the time to be in the other person's shoes, to see things how, as to how they may be impacting others, to to love more, to hold more in love um, some of the different things that you bring up in the book are ways that that I think we are we are meant to discover in our incarnation on Earth. But it appears that even if we don't, that we eventually will discover them in the afterlife.
2: That's right. Um, there are, there are things that we're we we each come to this planet with a, a lesson plan. This this particular and. Tailored to us, There are things that we're learning. I mean, ultimately, the big lesson is how to love uh, in the face of friction, in the in the face of all the difficulties and pain the physical incarnation can bring. But there are also very specific and individual lessons that we're working on. Uh, some souls are working on having more courage. Uh, some souls are are, are working on um, being able to, you know, uh, help. Other humans change or uh, to heal, so we're all we're all working on our particular lessons. Uh, but these lessons also continue in the afterlife, and so we, you know, we we're, we're continuing to work on growth and, and our evolution as a soul uh, here and in the spirit world. And these these are these lesson plans are linked.
1: One other part that I found quite interesting was so often, particularly if we look at many of the issues of today, there, there are many people that are fighting for different change in, in different ways, or, or there are individuals who, in the name of religion, believe that acts that they are committing are really for the higher good or are for God, when in fact they actually inflict pain. And, and you go into the book as to how those types of things are also um, experienced once in the afterlife place and once in the life review.
2: That's right. If some people get, get to life review and, and have some really big surprises. Particularly, I mean, for one thing, you know, we have these... Religious beliefs—we have these ideas about what God is and what the afterlife is—and uh, and various religions give us a picture of the afterlife. And in fact, we get there, and almost none of these uh, ideas are are true. Uh, and and so there's a, a certain shock in just realizing that the afterlife doesn't look anything like, uh, you know, you know. People sitting in clouds playing harps, or whatever whatever particular idea we were given about uh, what it what it looks like. Uh, there's no gate that Saint Peter is waiting for for us to uh, cross. I mean, none of this is there. So, so we're often quite surprised by uh, what's there as opposed to what we thought was there. And, and what you're saying is important as well. We we may have lived by certain kinds of rules and ideas about what was right. And and discover when we get to the afterlife, and particularly when we get to life review, that some of the things that we thought were so right are actually wrong. Uh, they they actually cause damage. They hurt others. Um, you know, uh, people with uh, rigid ideas about parenting. You know, you, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. And, you know, you got to you got to inflict pain on children to socialize them. And these these kinds of ideas and and there, there's, and, and and you um, about. <laughs> you know the right way to raise children they get they get to the afterlife they get to the um life review and they see all the pain those ideas caused uh and 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 what they thought was right actually uh was damaging uh so yes there are some surprises and and sometimes our religions uh give us ideas about the afterlife or or set of rules about how to behave that turn out when we get uh, uh to the spirit world uh just not to be true.
1: As we as we move to the spirit world, I would think that that's a very disorienting experience. And you describe uh, how Jordan had, had said to you that uh, when he got there, things instantaneously would appear that he would think. And so, in a way, it's very much like even where we're here, it just seems to vibrate at a faster rate and things appear more quickly and disappear more quickly. But that's another Uh, insight that i got in reading your book is it's a a wonderful guide even to how we create here in regard to uh, what he mentioned about attention and intention in the spirit world those same principles apply in our human world yes
2: and one of the things that happens when we get to the landing place and we're now we're you know we've have you know we've lost our our senses our nervous system uh our, our our all of the familiar aspects of 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 living are, are, are gone uh, and we're communicating telepathically, not, not through our voice or sound. All of this is going on and it and, and it's, takes a while to get used to it. But the thing that's most uh, problematic is that whatever we think, whatever images we create in our mind, uh, cre- those can show up energetically essentially as, as, as hallucinations. And Jordan described when he first got to the landing place uh, that he, he imagined the house that he grew up in, and suddenly there it was. And then he tried to calm himself down and think of a beautiful place, and he thought about Yosemite. Well, then he could see Yosemite right in front of him. Uh, so whatever he thought in his mind, and then and then he thought of an elephant, and there was an elephant in the middle of Yosemite. And whatever he had in his mind ended up, that image through, through energy projection ended up, uh, looking very very real in front of him and that's one of the things that we we, uh, we have to kind of master uh, whatever's in our mind we can literally project that and, and see it in front of us um, and and so to prepare for getting into the afterlife to prepare for that we have to really get re- ready to experience love uh, and, and then and then guides and loved ones can communicate to us at the landing place um, so the best preparation for, for death and, and for transition into the afterlife um, is to focus on love. Think about, for example, the people that you, you love who are in the spirit world uh, who you will expect to see. Think about how much you love them. Um, anticipate connecting to, to those people you love, to guides who love you. Um, and so anticipating these connections through love is how you calm down and, and, uh, and are prepared to actually hear all of, the, all of the beautiful and loving telepathic communications that you, you're getting when you enter the landing place. So instead of these hallucinations, you're listening, you're, you're taking in the love, you're taking in the knowledge, and, and all the things are being communicated to you, and, and, and you feel the support and, and caring. Um, so, preparing for death is is preparing to love. Uh,
1: love is a place, a location. Love is a place, a location. It is where consciousness resides. It isn't a feeling or a state or form of experience. It is the place of all thought, all knowledge, all truth. It is the essence of beauty and what moves us to recognize beauty and know love in the presence of beauty. This is from The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife by Dr. Matthew McKay, Jordan's message to the living on what to expect after death. You can find out more about this book and the other book, Seeking Jordan, by going to seekingjordan.com. We'll be right back after these messages with more of Matthew McKay.
3: Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Horses.1111mag.com
0: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: The brand new issue of 1111 Magazine will be releasing in the next few days. So if you have not had a chance to go check out the last issue or some of the other archive issues, I invite you to go and do that. In addition to listening to some of the other great shows that are on 1111 Talk Radio, I've had some wonderful guests this year, and each show has been enriching and beautiful, so I know you'll enjoy it. Specifically describing the transition experience and the early stages of the afterlife, including how to navigate each stage, Jordan shows how death is a fluid realm of imagination and invention. A luminous landscape created entirely of consciousness. He explains how a soul that has newly crossed over is an amnesiac arriving without senses, a nervous system, and all that has anchored us to the world. Jordan details how to navigate without a body, how we learn and grow in the spirit world, and how to release anxiety about the end of life and instead view it as another stage of being. He shows that the Inferno described by Dante is an optional nightmare caused by thought projections that overwhelm the newly transitioned soul, and he reveals that the Bardos are where souls who are beset with fear and false beliefs spend time learning and recovering. There's a lot in this little book, and I invite you to explore it. Again, the title is The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife by Matthew McKay and Jordan's Messages. You can find out more at Seeking Jordan. Com. Ultimately, the main lesson that we are to learn here and what is more easily tapped into if we're just open and available and sink into it is love that is in the afterlife as well. And I read a portion as I closed out the last segment saying that love is a place and a location, that it isn't a feeling or a state or a form of experience. And that's quite a shift, I think, for a lot of people to take in in regard to how to view love or how to experience love. What would you say are the things that we need to do right now to prepare for the afterlife and also bring more meaning to the lives that we're currently living?
2: Well, I think there are several things. I think this is important. First of all, I think we have to kind of let go of our our beliefs about what should happen in the afterlife. You know, I, I think we have to kind of let go of some of the ideas that, uh, religions give us about, uh, what's there and, and, um, and instead, uh, the main preparation again is to prepare with love, to, to expect to see loved ones, uh, who will greet us and support us, uh, and, um, and, and when we are struggling with the fear of death, there are very simple meditations that Jordan suggests. And one of them that I really love is this very simple meditation where, where you breathe in love. You just with each breath you breathe in love. You take it inside, and you breathe out fear. You breathe in love, and you breathe out fear. And while you're doing that. When thoughts arise, you just let go of the thought and continue to focus on the breathing in love, breathing out fear. Uh, and it's one of the, the best ways to prepare uh, is just that very simple meditation uh, because it focuses us on what our our purpose is here, uh, which is to love. Um, another thing we can do is something called the morning intention, where uh, you can you can begin each day um, with uh, a clear purpose of how you're going to bring love into your life that day. What, you, what, you know, how will you bring love into your relationships, uh, into uh, the moments of your day throughout that day? And, and the intention is to, is to do that in a very active way. Um, so so we, each day starts with the intention to make that day about love and enacting love and bringing love to everyone we connect to. Um, So that little breath meditation and and the morning intention are really ways that we can prepare for death long before uh, uh, that moment of transition. We can be preparing by bringing love into our daily lives. Um, and, And also, you know, the more love... The more love we bring in, the less fear we have. Um, it, it, love sort of replaces fear uh, inside of us. Uh, so uh, that's a, 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 a very important way of preparing for death is, is, is to make our lives about love. Uh, and As I said earlier, the fear of death makes us kind of deaf in the afterlife, so we have to be careful and, and, um, and instead anticipate that the afterlife is a beautiful, safe place. Um, I think one of the things that Jordan has emphasized, and he says, he says this to me many times, but, but I think it's worth saying here, is that you know when we get to the afterlife, uh, we discover what is, is true. Uh, and what is true is that we're always together, the living and the dead. Uh, those who are incarnating in, in physical worlds and those who are in spirit are together. With love, we are always united, um, we, and we are always part of the whole, part of part of all of consciousness. We are connected; we're not alone. Um, and even though sometimes on Earth it feels like we're alone, uh, that's just an illusion. That connection exists, so we're t- always together, joined in love. And and so, and what he says is that you know, when you when you think about death, just re- remember this: that you will. You'll be received. You will be cared for. And you will be loved. And that's just absolute.
1: I, I think that, you know, aside from the fear of death, the other uh, projection or, or or fear is that aloneness and that separateness. That, you know, what will be there? Will I be alone? Will, will it, it feel like emptiness? Uh, or will it be dark and it feel like darkness? You know, I think that unknown is oftentimes what stops people in their tracks. And throughout the book, you talk about uh, Jordan going to the farm and how he finds his soul family, which is, is something that I think most people want to know. You know, do I have a, a soul family, a greater collective that that surrounds me? And what was beautiful about the farm and, and his soul family was it was filled with beings that were... Uh, not incarnate, and 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 both beings that were incarnate, people that he had left behind, their souls were also still there. So when you say we're not alone, that we are loved, we are received, uh, it, it is from the people that we know and love, and more. Correct?
2: That's absolutely right. And what you're saying is is important. That some of our soul energy always remains behind in the spirit world. So we, part of our part of us is is. Even now, even though we're incarnating, even though you're ha- you and I are having this conversation, uh, part of us and part of our soul energy remains in the spirit world and remains with our soul group. Uh, and so only only part of our soul energy uh, incarnates and enters uh, a human body. Uh, so we are always there, even though part of our energy inhabits uh, these human forms. We're always in in, in, in the spirit world, uh, in part, and so the the soul group is, is always together, uh, even though most of them may be incarnating at any given time. They are still together. Uh, so it's a very beautiful um, system. Uh, that and and but we but when we incarnate, we forget all of that. Uh, we we're amnesiac. We we have no sense or knowledge that. Uh, we re- we remain behind in the spirit world. That all those people, those souls we love, are there with us, and uh, and we forget that. And it's neat. We have to forget that in order to take this seriously, in order to take this world seriously, and to learn the lessons that are here. Um, if we don't take it seriously and and just view this world as just a um, kind of like a stage set that. Uh, where we enact a certain play and then and then leave uh, and go to the green room afterwards. Uh, if we look at it that way, we're not going to take these lessons seriously. We're not going to struggle in the ways that we need to in order to learn. So, yeah, we're always together, but we forget it.
1: And I think that also brings to mind a greater sense of our own multidimensionality. It's easy to get locked in on our individual story or circumstance to really focus down into the smallness of life that that can appear at times, rather than really understanding that we're part of this bigger experience of life, part of the experience of the afterlife, and part of the experience of a far greater world than the one that we actually see with our two eyes.
2: That's so true, because we get locked into the the, the minutiae of each daily stress, uh, all our daily struggles, and we, we don't see the, the deep truth of connection, that we are all connected, we are all one. We don't see that. Um, and and even, and it actually what's also kind of interesting is when we get to the landing place, it takes a while for that amnesia to clear. We don't suddenly just have remember all of our past lives and 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 every every aspect of our, our life in in spirit. Um, it takes a while for that amnesia to clear, and uh, and 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 sometimes it's not even entirely clear cleared by the end of the life review. It takes a little while, so we we don't just snap back to. Full full awareness, uh, and there's this period of transition where where, where new, the, old, the memories of past lives and some of our experiences in the afterlife, all of that is kind of starting to reemerge, uh, and it's it's a very beautiful moment where, where we're remembering who we really are, um, but it's also a, a moment where we're we're transitioning from the very limited awareness we have as as an incarnating spirit uh, to you know uh, the awareness of. Really, the whole scope of human history—our many incarnated lives and so forth—so that, that transition is a very powerful and, and meaningful one that souls all go through uh, early in the in the you know after, in the after death process.
1: Uh, this book is beautiful not only in the information it brings through, but in the example it models in terms of uh, being a channel, uh, bringing forth beautiful wisdom, connecting. The, the two spheres of existence, uh, and then also teaching others how to channel. You have within the book an appendix where where you are supporting individuals in also learning how to channel and go through the process. Can you um, offer any, any suggestions on that or any information in regard to that that you'd like the listeners to know?
2: Yeah, channeling is something anyone can do. You don't have to be clairaudient or have any special abilities. Uh, I just encourage people to find a, a comfortable place to channel, uh, clarify the spiritual address, who, are you, who do you want to talk to on the other side, um, and then just uh, use an object uh, that, uh, that connects you to that, that, that soul on the other side, something that they owned or something they gave you, some, some, some object that, that is, is a, a talisman that can connect you. Um, use something for eye fixation, so like a candle. Just to have, hold your attention. Um, do a little uh, meditation, just just focusing on your breath, breathing in, breathing out, say in on the in-breath, out on the out-breath. Just uh, breathe for a while until you feel a certain level of calmness. Um, and then, you know, if any thoughts arise, just return your attention to your breath. A very simple Vipassana Type meditation, uh, and you, you don't usually need to do that too long. Maybe maybe two, three, four minutes, um, and then uh, I encourage people to, to to write their questions down for for the soul on the other side. So write down your question, send the message as you write it down, and then just wait. Uh, the first things that come to your mind, the first words come to your mind, just start writing it down without knowing where it's going to go. Just just write the answer. Allow the answer to take form, and uh, and and uh, the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's like thank a, you a so much.
1: Muscle. Thank you so much, Matthew, for being on Eleven Eleven Talk Radio. Modern channels universally agree on the following: God is in us, and we are God. Souls incarnate again and again. There is no punishment. We come to learn, evolve as individual souls, and ultimately bring back what we've learned to all that is. And we are all one while also retaining our own soul identity. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality. Your heart to greater compassion and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.